Welcome to Heart Matters, a show about all aspects of heart health, brought to you in partnership with the Providence Heart Institute and Boston Scientific. The Providence Heart Institute is a leading integrated network of cardiovascular care with a focus on putting our patients at the heart of everything we do. And we are committed to making a positive difference in every life we touch. As part of that commitment, we are bringing the doctors to you. Hello, I'm your host today, Judy Dusick, Executive Director of the Providence Heart Institute. And joining me on this episode is Dr. Daniel Eisenberg. He is an interventional cardiologist who practices in Burbank, California. And today we are focusing on symptoms you shouldn't ignore when it comes to heart health and heart disease. Dr. Eisenberg, it's so good to speak with you today. Good morning, Judy. I'm pleased to see you as well with that usual smile that I've seen before. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. And, um, you know, I am really excited to have you uh, today and our audience is really lucky to hear from you on such a really important topic. And but I would really like to start with um, you telling us a little bit about yourself and um, the work you do in the community you serve. OK, well, at the present time, I'm a, a, I'm in my uh, 40th year of uh, uh working in cardiology at at one hospital, which is quite a long time to be in one hospital. My main interests when I became a cardiologist uh, were uh, nutrition, prevention, and then of course, because of the uh, forward uh, thinking of the technology in in heart disease, such as bypass surgeries were at that point, probably still the main way to treat heart disease if somebody had blockage. But then there were things like angiography, which was blood that where you take a picture of the blood as it goes through the body and the circulation of the heart. But then after that, um, uh, some two brilliant uh, researchers found a way to put a wire up there and then use something like that, like at the end of a pen, which is in there, that metallic thing, it looks like a stent, it's called a stent, and it balloon opens it up and the blockage goes away. So uh, I've sort of gone from soup to nuts uh, with that uh, sentence, but I, but I want you to know how important all of it is. The, the prevention piece, uh, whatever symptoms that Judy ends up throwing my way, um, <laughs> uh, it, it will be somewhere encompassing the area of nutrition, prevention of heart disease, diet, prevention of diabetes, prevention of hypertension, uh, the risk factor, the risk factors, and so on. So uh, that's my adult uh, story. My, I had a very different young story, which was uh, for eight years I was hospitalized in, in medical institutions without my family, four years in Europe and in a, on top of a mountain, and four years at Children's Asthma Research Institute and Hospital in Denver. And I was alone, literally, from age eight to, from six to 13. And uh, Wow. Yeah. And it's, it's just kind of a, but the story doesn't end there because I, I then, when I went back home, didn't have quite the relationship most people have with their parents because they never called me or wrote me or visited me. So I was now all of a sudden a, a 13 year old trying to find myself just like all 13 year olds or 12 year olds are trying to find themselves. And it wasn't, it wasn't a happy life, but the only thing I wanted to do when people asked me, despite my having long hair, despite my having recalcitrance was, I wanted to be a doctor mm-hmm. because what I learned in, in those years being hospitalized was that I got more empathy from 
the 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 occasional nurse who really cared about people, the occasional uh, sweeper in my that would come in, or the person who would bring me in my my lunch or dinner. So I just want you to know that to me, whatever we talk about in terms of cardiology, it's prefaced in my head is it's mm -hmm. uh, it's an honor to be a physician and in the medical field with uh, partners like uh, Judy, who's done some incredible work in the last few years as I've gotten to know her, but also a lot of others, uh, everybody from administrators to nurses, mm -hmm. and specials. So um, that's all I got to say, but. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. That is, that's an amazing story. I, I always, it is important to um, self-reflect on what drives us and motivates us and inspires us today. And it's, that's an amazing story um, where, you learned, you know, compassion and you're delivering that forward um, year after year for all the time that you've been a physician. And that's a long commitment and um, it truly is a passion. So I, we thank you for that. Um, and with that, I, I really would like to highlight, you know, um, heart disease is obviously it's serious. It's still one of the number one killers in the U.S., um, but oftentimes, right, just to kind of the, the lay person, the general public, um, we tend to probably not listen to our bodies as much as we should. Um, we live in a fast paced world and we're just thinking of sort of day to day, hour to hour, just like we're on this call. Right. We've got a whole schedule ahead of us. Um, but can you talk to us a little bit more in all your, your years of experience that you've been working with patients with heart disease? Um but just also how common is this in the US today? And, and is it still the number one cause of death? I'll start with this. The, the number one cause, as you alluded to, uh, the number one uh, disease in America that, that kills the most, people die the most, is, is heart disease, manifestations of, of heart disease, heart attack, which means the blood didn't go to the muscle and people uh, either die from it or they live long enough to die from it from heart failure, which means the heart isn't working very well for a few years after that. There are, there's the, but the heart is not just a pump. Think about your car. There's also arrhythmias. There's, there are, there are these uh, things called the uh, bundles that go from the, the, the right atrium, not that that's that important, but one of one of the spots in the atrium, which it gives you that syncopated heartbeat, 60 to 80 to 90 to 120 mm -hmm. when you get on your Peloton to 175 or whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. and, um, but many people um, develop, uh, particularly as they age, all of these diseases, heart failure, uh, and, and the, the risk factors for those are diabetes, hypertension, smoking, family history. Now, when people say family history, be a little aware. We're talking really not about your aunt. I mean, you could, right. you could talk about your aunt, but statistically to try to figure out what's going on with the patient, I prefer to hear, and, and I learned this more from the American Heart Association, the American College of Cardiology, um, and actually Ty Gluckman, and we were both, he was a doctor that on the previous show, um, we both have the same mentor uh, and from Northwestern in Chicago, and he's the one who taught me a whole lot of prevention and, and all this stuff. The bottom line is it, it's family history means mother, father, maybe, maybe somebody on another, a number two, which would be an uncle, or, but, it, but mother, father, for sure, brother, sister, for sure, um, are risk factors for that. And it means a lot. It's a big counter in that. Um, and uh, we have a lot of great treatments for it. People have uh, begun living a lot longer, um, especially uh, 
if they'd follow these these things. Smoking, by the way, um, is almost an I don't wanna, mean to use anathema like a bad thing, but it really is. I mean, it, it, right. it and it, and it does hurt people and hurts the people around you uh, mm-hmm. because of the passiveness. So, how's that, Jody? Right. No, I'm. That's. Um, really comprehensive. And I think uh, I love how you highlight the sort of different diseases that we can have, whether it's the electrical side of our heart or what we often like to call the plumbing side and the flow and how everything flows. But um, what would what would we look for? What would somebody, a patient um, or just anybody, what would you look for in terms of a symptom to trigger, hey, something's wrong with my heart or I just don't really feel good could be my heart, obviously knowing, well, if we have it in our family, we're, we're certainly at risk, but what would be some of those things that you would um, sort of say, Hey, this just isn't right. And I need well, to whether, whether you're, um, whether you're uh, an adult or even a, a, a high school per kid or a college kid or whatever, the symptoms are the first thing that you can work on that you can at least start to see what what does that mean so the first thing is if you if you if you start developing if you put your hand over your sternum if you just took put your hand over your sternum that's your chest right that's your chest, chest. sorry yeah. you're absolutely right judy it, it's uh, right there and if you put it there um and you're complaining of chest pain it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you're having a heart attack but it does it is a sign and it is a symptom the sign mm-hmm. is right there, your chest, it's in the middle of your chest. Your heart is not only all the way on the left side of your chest. Um, And it's not usually something that gets bad when you just take a deep breath. Because most of us have had the sensation in our lives where we get this sharp chest pain when you take a deep breath and you're thinking, oh my gosh, what, what is this? And you can't even, you can't even keep talking, but that's one thing, but that's different than a pressure or a heaviness, or something that goes up into your left, usually your left side. It doesn't mean it can't go into mm-hmm. your right side. Let's, let's stick with the left side for a moment. It can go into your left side and arm because the muscle heart is right here in the middle, and the nerves that come out of your spinal cord, in the uh, uh, and your spinal cord has a lung, th- thoracic part, parts that mm-hmm. go to your heart and then downstairs in the stomach you have you can have different kinds of pains but we're staying upstairs so when you're upstairs and you get a a chest pressure or shortness of breath and something that's causing heaviness and in your maybe in your neck maybe in your shoulder maybe in your jaw those are called radiating uh Mm -hmm. things uh your body senses it because of the nerves in the body it's it's we're amazing if you've ever seen that kind of uh a person so number one is uh, for for heart disease in general, if you take a deep breath and it hurts, most of the time, that's not your, not, you're not having a heart attack and you're not even having heart problems. On the other hand, there can, there's about 5% of those people that might have something called pericarditis, which is an inflammation of the heart, which I'll try, I'll try to get to later when, if jo, Judy asks mm-hmm. a question. Um, so, um, in the uh, n- next area is how about if somebody comes in the office short of breath or it just calls you on the phone as a doctor to a, to a patient and you say, well, I get short of breath. Well, the question is, when do you get short of breath? Uh, a lot of times it's an anxiety res- response, just getting short of breath, getting upset and, and breathing fast. But if somebody comes in as had, has, has shortness of breath and you can 
even almost hear them bubbling when they take a deep breath, but not really. I mean, it's just very short. They can't walk very far. It's shortness of breath on exertion. Yes, there can be lung problems. Somebody can have uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, which is smokers, uh, usually mm -hmm. smokers issue. And there, we have a, many million of people with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. The cigarettes um, are, are a big problem. So the first thing you do when you have shortness of breath, you think is, is it lung related or is it heart related? It can be heart related and you don't have any pressure in your chest. Now, if you're diabetic, which is a, another one of the risk factors, I hope uh, th that I can explain to you without, you know, just throwing out all the knowledge I have, which is not, <laughs> not necessarily that protean, but it's interesting enough for, for me, but I don't want to bore you. But if you take deep breaths and you get shorter breath, and it's on exertion, you, the first thing to do is like that old vaudeville joke. If it, if, if it always hurts when you lift your shoulder, mm -hmm. don't do that. Right. If it always, hurts, it. it always hurts when you lift your shoulder, don't do it. Well, don't take super deep breaths. Just wait till it goes away and may or may not be heart disease, but it could be right. that pinching thing or start thinking, okay, um, it, get to know yourself. It's called self care manifest care to yourself and so um you would you would probably uh either at that point if it's heavy chest pressure when you're walking or heavy shortness of breath first thing to do is to stop the walking and, right uh, or running or whatever you're doing the other thing is to take it seriously if it's continuing more than five or ten minutes it's really different than it's usually you're not having a heart attack if it's not present I mean, you, you, it's called a silent heart attack. Many of us, 30 to 40% have silent heart attacks. And then they come into the doctor and they have an EKG and then something called an ultrasound, which is what most mm -hmm. of women know much quicker than the men because they've had babies and ultrasounds. And it's, all you do is lift the ultrasound up to the heart. You can see whether there's fluid around the heart, whether there's mm -hmm. something. So that's called pericarditis. And that's not as deadly as a heart attack. But it's certainly scary. It's certainly painful. And they and doctors usually see patients for this because people should say, what do I have? Right. So I'm going to stop and let right. you take over, Judy. On yeah. That. No, thank you for that. I think, I mean, but that, it really just does highlight that it's it's complicated. It's complicated and it's not that easy, but it's just, you know, we have to look for the signs and the signals, right? So if your check engine light comes on in the car, you don't. You sh we shouldn't just ignore it. And not to say that it, 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 uh, we don't, but it's it's always. Um, it sounds like the safest thing is to listen to your body, respond to it. It may be nothing, which would be a, a good scenario. Um, but but um, we need to really respond and react at least to say, hey, something doesn't feel right. And I really appreciate that you you know you're highlighting how pe uh, people with different you know, comorbidities or other types of um, uh, diagnoses like diabetes, how we may, you know, patients like that may experience things different. And the same, I think, goes for the difference between the way men or uh, experience it um, versus women. And so if you know, given that you're in you're in Burbank, you know, let's talk a little bit about the the Hollywood heart attack, right? It's not it's not always as clear. Like it's just you you grab your chest and fall to the ground. So it's always it's always good to to really pay attention to those things. But can you talk to me a little bit more specifically about um, the women uh, that that may experience um, symptoms um, that tip, that that do end up being heart heart disease related? Um, 
what do you where, what do you typically see in terms of the differences between um, your men and uh, female patients? Well, first of all, um, women are just as capable of developing heart disease as men. It's a, it's a fallacy that it's all only the dad or the uncle. Um, the difference is the the approach to the, the examination of a, a woman or a man for looking for both heart disease is to do the looking for what are, what's the background, diabetes, hypertension, all those things. But really, what's the quality of the, the pain? And a lot of women present with... Um, it particularly, I'm going to say, and if, if I'm wrong on this, I apologize uh, to the, to the um, people listening. I'll speak to my own experience too shortly, but I want okay. to hear from you first. <laughs> okay, good. I mean, not, not good, but no. Um, so the, the, the main thing is that when kids are kids, adolescents, then young women, and then up to menopause, they have a plethora of uh, tells. With, with uh, for for the symptomatology of chest pain. First of all, they they frequently have different type of symptoms. They just are are, are vague about the, the whether it's a pain or or a or a pulling or chest pressure, which is usually like we talked about with men. I wasn't specifically trying to talk with men, but right now I'm trying to separate the two. Um, mm -hmm. And um, uh, the, 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 in the youth, women tend to get with, and this again sounds, um, I think like I'm, I'm a chauvinist and I promise you I'm trying not to be. And I, I know you're not <laughs> my three daughters and stuff like that, but, but young women tend to get palpitations that are more obvious to doctors and friends and people than men who have the, the same age range. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that men don't get it. Okay, I'm not trying to, young men do too, but that's right. a big, but as you get to menopause, however, when, mm -hmm. when there's that hormonal change that uh, certainly I'm not an expert in, but I've been doing this long enough to see these right. problems, that is um, very common. It gives you a lot of palpitations. They tend to get really fast heartbeats or slow heartbeats. When they lie down, they feel their heart beating. Or there's something called apolitis, which I made up, but um, it's uh, it's it's the Apple Watch because most ah. people, most people are looking at their Apple Watch, and if it says um, that you're going really fast and da 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 da, da that then reinforces to you that there might be a, a problem. And then right. I, I must see two or three apolitis patients a week, uh, a day, excuse me, in my office. New people, they come, yeah. in and and I have to explain to them what I believe, but they, on the other hand, they're afraid. Yeah. And if they're afraid, then I'm, I'm there. Right. To listen. Cause you're not going to deny how they feel. Right. Exactly. This is, this is important. Yes. It's all, yeah. It's very important for empathy, but it's really the most, the most important part is that we come to the, not after we've had, I've had a chance at empathy and say, I, I believe that this may right. not be heart disease. Then we have to make sure that the, the, the woman, um, wants to know, then how do I get rid of this? Or how do I get rid of these heart, these sounds yeah. when I lie in bed on the left side or the right side, or my Apple Watch is beeping. Right. And, and it usually, it usually uh, can be sorted out, but it, it's, it's, it's involved. Yeah. So when, so you, you've had um, a few of these patients come and, you know, they're, they're very in tune to themselves. Are they starting with their primary care physician first and then coming to you or they come to you directly? You know, it's, it's a, uh, Amazing to me how many people, um, even the best uh, family doctors and internists all around me, 
um, uh, they frequently go there. I mean, patients go to their mm-hmm. care doctor, but I see people who've just, you know, either it's through, you know, I don't know how, how they come to me, but, but whatever it is that brings them to me is, is usually just the symptom and they don't care about the, whether you're called a heart doctor or primary care, actually, they'd rather have you there because they, it, some people believe specialists are special and, um, that's a, a well, obviously, obviously <laughs> sound, like but, but I don't mean to say I'm special. I, I just want the, I just want them to come in and if they come right. in, I'll, I'll do my best. But then I call the primary care doctor and have them go back to them because I right. want them to know that they've got a real advocate, that their right. doctor is their advocate. And so am I, but I'm just trying to help on some one out of a hundred thousand symptoms that patients can have. Correct. Right. And you're in and you're a care team, right? You're a partner with that primary care physician. So I, I did just want to emphasize that it, that that there are other sort of members of this of, of a clinical care team and the specialists, you know, respectively are addressing one issue, right? You're, you're addressing the um the heart uh you know disease symptoms or potential symptoms, but at the end of the day, pri- their primary care physician is somebody that may look at other issues that are going on because it isn't just about addressing heart disease, but if there are other things that may be causing these symptoms, you would want to find where, where you know, and triangulate what, what's going on. So I think um, the Apple Watch is is, is interesting and in just that we're, we're addicted to knowing. And then when we know, we can't unknow. And we have to validate that. <laughs> it's so nutty. Really, I mean, honestly, I don't mean to mess up the, the, this discussion, but I have to mention this again. I, ha- I am dumbfounded by the fit, bit, and... Um, Apple Watch, because I would say at least 15% of my patients come in or 20% have them. And if somebody has an Apple Watch in and they're coming in, I I immediately start talking to them about Appleitis, not not making fun of them. No, no. But trying to open the discussion. Right. I mean, the best thing we can we we could do for um, for our communities is awareness. Right. And and. encouraging people to be more in tune to their body. And then hopefully that, that links to behavior and lifestyle modification changes uh, to help improve over overall health. So getting at that. So, you know, I, um, I'm, I'm Latina. I come from a Latina about, you know, a Hispanic community here in San Antonio. And, um, you know, we tend to surround ourselves with probably not the best types of food and, you know, um, exercising growing up. Well, nobody has time for that because everybody's super busy. Um, but, you know, culturally, there are a lot of, you know, it's kind of things that we kind of grow up with that either drive healthier lifestyles or or maybe don't, or the communities we live in just aren't, really aren't built that way. So can you talk to me a little bit about your experience with, you know, um, sort of either different races or ethnicities in terms of how they um, also either may uh, be at risk for heart disease, but then also what what symptoms and how do they even present? Because the one I know, like my dad would be super stubborn about saying something's wrong. And that's, I think, you know, could just be my dad, but I also know I have uncles and such that are really kind of stubborn that way too. But, but um, talk to me a little bit about that. Well, first of all, I, I think most men uh, of, of, of all uh, races uh, are pretty close. Uh, the hypertensive uh, African-American Mm-hmm. Uh, already has usually a jump on a lot of people with the first risk factor because of right. hyper, hypertension is a very deep uh, a disease and uh, the African-American community has a very high 
um, uh, finding epidemiology. There's a lot of that. So um, the, the first thing to do is to acknowledge that. If they come in and their blood pressure is high to start with, and you say, well, I'd like to treat you, the first thing they say is, no, this is just because I walked into a doctor's office, or this is because mm -hmm. it's a white coat. And so I, I was thinking of from now on wearing an orange coat or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but, what, but you have to, you know, you have to know your audience or your patient and right. really I don't know them. So I have to try to first come from the back in and by some questions like, does anybody in your family have high blood pressure? Mm -hmm. um, have, have, have you ever had a, 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 either if you're, if you're above the age of 50, usually I could ask this question younger is a little hard. Um, have you ever had a stroke or something called a TIA? But usually these are related to other things, primarily that being hypertension, but then there's atherosclerosis, which makes issues, but I don't want to go in that today or right now, maybe later. Um, and, uh, then there's Hispanics. You're, you're right, Judy. I mean, definitely you're right because you are Hispanic. <laughs> and and I, so you got a lot on me on this question. Um, but but I, I think that um, Hispanics do have, uh, you know, they do say, hijo, you know, I would just tell, no, let's go home. Everything's good. Let's, you know, if there's, um, a, there's a sort of a loving, um, there, especially if they come in with, with, a wife or a grandmother or a cousin that are female, they, there's this empathy that radiates through the Hispanic. And I'm not trying to do anything other than talk normal here. <laughs> Cause I don't want anybody to think I'm making a, a statement against anybody. But, no, I believe you that the whole family comes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so and, and I've seen that I was in County hospital for five years and it yeah. was only, I mean, it was Hispanic, but then there were five other 500 other people from different, worlds all over the world but but in the hispanic community that's usually tends to be a, a family affair and um the men are more recalcitrant mm -hmm. the women have uh, the same symptoms perhaps like palpitations or, or or breathing funny or something but they uh again i i show them the electrocardiogram try to explain something to me that looks complicated simple and the best thing you can do is show them a normal ekg even if it has nothing to do with the heart right just just saying that and then saying well now we'll we're talk of the lungs but if they have treatment uh, and they they tell me it's this is just white coat or and they don't it doesn't have to be um angry it's just this is not real i always right. always normal well we usually doctors keep the records of people's blood pressures and i tell i have i, I must tell 50% of patients mm -hmm. to, to do me a solid or them a solid for two to four weeks. I want you to do a blood pressure diary right. and a pulse diary. And, um, you know, it's not, sometimes it's done, sometimes it's not done, but if it's done, you, you gain strength. If you've been watching to see how you're doing, you've been right. mindful, mindful of your state. And if you're not, if you come back in and say, look, I'm still having these palpitations or my pressure has still been up. Then I go into a, a different gear as a doctor because people get scared of you if you're too. Right. Upright. So, right. Um, and by the way, you can go, if we go, if you go to uh, Armenian, which is where I'm in a very big community, huge, I think it's the largest community outside of Armenia. Um, you know, they, they, they have a, um, they still have a very strong family presence, but the men also, many spoke, smoke, like 80 to 90% of them smoke mm. and they, and they just don't want to follow rules, but their, their right. wives 
their wives or family are bringing them in. So I, the, the, the entree to the medical world is sometimes mooted or, or, or blocked by the intransigence of mm-hmm. a lot of men, women too, but, but, right. but, but, but women, you see it a lot. Right. Right. So I, I, I really appreciate how you touched on um, one, you can take, you can take control and, and really sort of validate on your own, not necessarily having somebody tell you that you're sick, but, but, or to tell you um, there's something going on, but you can track that yourself. So getting your blood pressure done daily or weekly is a number, right. That you can follow, um, you know, getting your cholesterol checked regularly, which again, just kind of comes with are you doing those regular checkups with your doctor, especially at certain ages or if you're at certain risks? But, um, you know, so we talked about symptoms of palpitations. So feeling, you know, sort of our heart sort of pacing at different rhythms and just not feeling right. And we talked about blood pressure and, you know, the the feelings that you can probably get. You know, I've, I've had, you know, my my grandparents, my dad, you know, when their blood pressure is off, they don't feel well. Um, you know, your cholesterol, well, you're not really sitting there feeling like, oh, my cholesterol feels high today, but it is something you should manage. And those, those numbers are, 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 are real. Um, and so it's, it, you know, I, I heard a saying the other day, what was it? It was like, um, the only thing certain are death and taxes. But I think that, um, if you're tracking your numbers, um, and knowing what, you know, how, how your cholesterol trends, my dad could tell you easily if his, if his cholesterol or cholesterol, blood pressure is not acting right. They know their baseline, but you can only do that by tracking that over time and doing that yourself and seeing it for yourself. And then understanding, connecting those feelings when you see, wow, my blood pressure is really high. That's why I have a headache or that's why I feel like this. And so letting them kind of figure it out on your own, would you agree? Is that, is that something you encourage your patients? Sounds like you encourage them to do. I, I, you know, I, I, my only uh, hesitation is that I make them feel like they have to do it. I want them to feel like themselves. They, they yeah. want them to do it for, for their own self-care, for their own mindfulness. Because taking control, yes, right? Exactly. Right. That's the word. I should have used that. That's exactly it. And we want self-care and we want mindfulness. We want them to walk into the doctor's office and if you're going to the doctor's office and have a moment of saying, this is what I've had. What do you think? Rather than it never works, da 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 da, and then there's that whole discussion. Similarly, because for instance, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a curveball in for just a second, and then I'll get right out of it. Okay, you know when babies are born, the 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 plaque in arteries, the thing that causes heart attacks most of the time, is called atherosclerosis. Whatever that sounds like to the listener, I just want you to know it's it's like looking at rust that's splinting off. A, a wire that it's just atherosclerosis and then it can split and cause a heart attack because blood vessels close. But when you, when the baby is three months old, there's already a plaque, but the plaque is just there. It's just, you can barely see it, you know, but with time, if you look at mammalian species, a lot of them, most of them have um, heart disease, particularly, you know, you can look at, you know, well, you can look at so many animals for that, but as you get older, that plaque has changed and grown. And if you've just been eating a diet that keeps your cholesterol above, you know, really should be closer to 150, but let's say you're eating it at, you know, with a cholesterol of 220 uh, or you're, because you should, the, the doctor would gl- gladly check your cholesterol once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. We, we would feel foolish if we didn't say that. But when right. you say that, then they say, but the medicines are bad. 
but I'll let you, I'm going to let Judy with uh, pilot this, but you know exactly what I'm talking, Judy, with how many okay. people say the medicines make me sick. Right. Right. And, and, you know, and you, those, that gets kind of addressed as it goes, but, but it goes with everything else that it isn't just a magic pill. That's going to make things better. It's all the other things that we do in our life that contribute to how we take care of ourselves. So you said something, um, that, that, uh, really put a thought in my head is that the patient is as much as part of the care team as, as anybody else that's involved. Right. It's like, we don't want to be told what our feelings should be and what, what it is as a patient, as the person, we need to take ownership of that too. And we are equally part of that care team. So I think that, um, I think really kind of just sending that message, because we can't, you can't read my mind, right? You're, you're the doctor, you can't read my mind. I have to be very open and transparent about what I'm doing, and what I'm feeling and what I'm modifying and the efforts I'm making in order to help inform your decisions. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then keeping the family involved, I think, you know, to get back at the sort of cultural impacts is that um, sometimes you are having to convince an entire family to take care of the matriarch of the family or the father or whoever um, that needs that that help. I feel like uh, or it seems like that um, that you're encouraging that and and that it, it, it really is about just taking the time to listen. And you've talked about two spectrums of of patients that kind of come in. You have what sometimes is deemed as um, maybe worried well, or the, the folks with the Apple watch and they have something going on and they're very concerned and in tune. And then you have the ones that maybe should be paying a little bit more attention that are sort of the other extreme um, that are having those symptoms, but maybe sort of a little bit in denial. Um, but as, as we go into the, the, the things that patients should do in terms of perhaps being mindful of the medicines that might be occur, uh, offered for diabetes or hypertension or all this that do cause at the end, the aggregate can cause heart attacks. But one, one thing that is uh, very important is we can also measure by treadmill, te by testing uh, certain times to see if, if whether, whether we're talking about the Apple Watch or, or, or many of the things we've alluded to, um, you, we do have diagnostic availability of, of different type of types of technology that are really, really helpful. And, and, and some of the things that we, that the patients believe, they think you have to have a blood, a clot, a blood uh, clot or a, or a, a blockage of the artery of 90% or 80%. Everybody talks about that or the widow maker and all those things. I'm just going to say that in, in 1998, I had a, I was really lucky. Um, I, I mostly deal with doctors in the organization that Judy knows, um, uh, which is called Providence. Uh, I've, I've met some really bright doctors, essentially uh, way, way faster and better than I am in turn. But I don't know how much more depth they have, but they're crazily good. And what I've what I've learned is that um, in 1998, I, I was lucky enough to be with three other or four other authors in, the, in a journal called the New England Journal of Medicine, which is like a very important, august thing. And doesn't for guys like me, it doesn't happen that often. And it was I, I, I did an article while when we took Lipitor, which is one of these. Please don't think I'm giving you an instance for Lipitor. I'm talking about a Torvastatin or Lipitor. We can talk. Yes. They all have other names. And this is not just that medicine. So when that medicine was given to patients, we randomized them 
and, and, and most of them got angiograms after having had a test that showed that they had a, a, a test that showed nuclearly that their blockage was either in the front of the heart, the side of the heart, or the back of the heart, which usually, but not always, leads to an angiogram. But what we did was we randomized it. And we gave them, we gave 50% of these patients, even with 90% something called widow makers, which is what is it, just a thing where 90% blockage of the LED versus no, uh, the versus what the uh, doctor in the field, whatever doctor wanted to, their 50%, they would either give them a little bit or a lot or nothing for cholesterol, whatever, but they were doing what their treatment was. At the end of a year and a half, um, the group that got the Lipitor, the, the, it was called, the, um, the, the trial was, like, do they get a stent or do they not get a stent? Right. Most of them in that half had reversal. So what I'm trying to say is if you became a vegan or a vegetarian or an intermittent carnic, you know, eating food, <laughs> or eating meat, okay, a, a car non-carnitarian or whatever, but if you just ate occasionally some red meat, not every day with mayonnaise and uh, all the fatty things that we have. You could take your vegetables and put olive oil on them and, mm -hmm. and soups with every kind of, of vegetable. When you walk down the aisle, go to the right and just go down the right of that aisle. It's just, it lasts, it looks, seems like it's a mile in these big places and it's all veggies and stuff. With Lipitor or any of these, Crestor, or I, I really, I'm sorry that I'm even using the, the non-generic name. So I please apologize. That's not the important point. The important point is if you can get your cholesterol down and help your body, it's like cleansing your body. If you, if you eat that and then, you know, 20 times a year, maybe when there's a fiesta or, or, you know, mm -hmm. or a 16 year old uh, thing, you could tell me that. A quinceanera. Exactly. But everybody's eating, but everybody's yes. eating, not in scenario light, let me tell you. And so I've, I've been to a few of them, but, but the point is you don't have to always take the medicines. If you find out that you want to be recalcitrant, you can, do, but you need to say, okay, I'm going to eat 340 days a year healthy. I'm not going to smoke. Mm -hmm. um, going to eat uh, i'm not going to always have go to you know a sub or you know whatever and put mayonnaise and all that other kind of stuff on there um or butter and you know yep. just, just fatty foods um you can you can you can attack heart disease and, right. and get better so and it is it is one of the it's it, this is the the thing that's crazy is it's preventable um or we can de-escalate it right because there are going to be those who are just simply at risk right? Let's be honest. There's just yes. going to be people who are at risk, but you can mitigate that risk by, you know, really, you know, the lifestyle modifications that you talked about, whether it's what we eat, what we put into our body and also how we, how we, you know, physically manage our body as well. So um, being active and all of those things are, are really important, not just for um, sort of our physical selves, but right, but our mindfulness and and be able to stay in tune with um, with our bodies and and, re and responding to how we're feeling. Um, I think all those things play a role. Can so um, you know I, I talked I mentioned earlier that I was going to talk a little bit about sort of my own experience too, and you know and how women especially sort of um, respond to how their you know their their bodies and we don't ever like to really slow down. I'll speak for myself, but sometimes we just like to maybe dismiss things, or at least I know I do. 
Um, I, I have a unique profile. I do have parents that have had, uh, that have, um, you know, some high cholesterol, high blood pressure. Um, so we try, I try to manage that. Um, I don't have a gallbladder. So, um, I was not a sort of a typical demographic for that either, but what it, what, um, symptoms I have experienced, and especially because, you know, gallbladder is kind of in the upper right-hand quadrant. And so I'm, I'm only five feet tall. So my torso is not very long. So when I've, uh, recently had an experience of chest pain, um, you know, I have to practice what I preach too. And I, you know, it wasn't the first time and it had happened before, but it happened for a long period of time. I would say it kept running for about 10, 15 minutes. Well, it's a good thing. I know a few cardiologists, but you know, that's me. I'm in this field all the time. And it's like, well, what do I do? Am I going to seem like I'm overreacting if I go and say, Hey, I don't feel good. This, this like pain in my chest isn't going away. And I actually did. I went and I talked, I went into the office next door to me. They said, let's get an EKG. They looked at it. It seemed pretty much normal, but my next step is obviously to follow up with my primary care, you know, and, and I'm only 42 years old, but I have a high stress, you know, job. I work, I'm, you know, all, all day long. We do all these things. I travel, I've got five kids, a dog and a husband and, and a house to maintain. So it's like, those are all very significant. So the question I'm getting at is talk, talk to me a little bit about stress, right? So when we're under stress, sometimes, you know, it kind of manifests these things, even probably in the quote unquote healthiest self-aware people, but stress is also an important thing to manage in terms of our lifestyle. Would you agree? Not only would I agree, stress is an alarm. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like nine one one. If, if, I mean, having a quick stress because you had an argument with somebody somewhere, is a quick stress. Then you then it depends on how you how you process it, and we all process different. But in terms in terms of stress in, in, in a woman or a man, but I'll start with women. I mean, you know, you, women do so many things, and when, when you when you just announced how many people and animals and husbands and jobs and all that, that that's a lot different. You know, and and then you have a husband at home, and uh, I happen to know him, and you're you're very lucky to have such a great guy. But <laughs> um, but but I I really think that you know, if you don't acknowledge that you're being hyper or or being you know, al feeling alone and getting anxious from doing things that you normally would do, this is this yes, people can get heart attacks from that. You know, people can get palpitations from that. They can start somaticizing, which means your your body is starting to basically tell your head that there's something going on. When in fact, normally you wouldn't even notice it. But there's a lot of sort of, uh, uh, you know, um, endocrine uh, things, uh, acetylcholine, epinephrine, your body just starts going. And the only way to slow some of those things down is to, again, just I, we used the same term earlier, um, uh, Judy, and it was mindfulness and self-care. Yeah. If if taking a slow deep breath through your nose and blowing it out, or taking a just a, or in, you know, just really slow count to three and go out, if taking um, yourself into a position where you just you know close your eyes and try to do it, that's great. Most of us can't, but there are ways that you can find out from so many things, including your physician or physicians or a hospital might have a program for it. But at the end of the day. You can't just dismiss it because it gets worse and worse and worse. And I'm one of those people who actually takes a medicine for anxiety. So, mm -hmm. and 
I'll stop right there because I don't want you thinking I'm a little cuckoo. <laughs> I'm not cuckoo, but I, but I, but I, I get anxiety, and I, I'm not only embarrassed at my own feelings, but they can it can really sort of mess up your day. And when you yeah. try to, it, it might keep you from eating, or it might make right. you eat more. I mean, the, the the swings of our lives are like you said, protean all over the place. So. Right. Right. Um. Dr. Eisenberg, this has been an amazing conversation. I, I think we've we've highlighted a lot of a lot of things just that you know that we experience in our life and a lot of things that we should pay attention to, most importantly, our heart and our health and the health of our heart. Um, but all those other things that sort of play in and factor into how things make us feel. And I think that um, highlighting those signs and symptoms and and just the environment, right, and and, our, and ourselves, um, and how we respond um, to those is really important, and how we're communicating with those around us that help take care of us um, is really important. And so, I think I think today we covered a lot, and we I just again really appreciate um, one your candidness and humbleness, um, but also your extraordinary expertise in this. I mean, you've been doing it for a really long time. I'm sure have seen thousands of patients in all types of scenarios. So um, your observations have uh, I think enlightened. Um, they've just certainly enlightened me and hopefully our, our, I know our audience. And so we're just really grateful for you to share your story, um, but also your experience as a cardiologist interventionalist on the front line. And thank you for just really uh, your compassion and um, taking care of people. I want to thank you too, Judy, because back at you, same thing. Um, and uh, you're, you're, you're sort of a, a miracle person. When I first met you, which was probably only five, six, seven, or eight years ago. I don't know, but all I know on seven, yeah, you know, seven. I'm just saying, <laughs> but whatever it was, um, I, I, I didn't know what a, a powerful woman you are and how good you are at this too. I believe that this is this is interesting and educational enough that we should do something like this again together. So, I agree. Well, until then, thank you very much. Enjoy God, the rest of your day. God bless. Thank you for joining us today on this important topic on Heart Matters. We look forward to continuing the important conversation on heart health and wellness with more experts from Providence in future episodes. Make sure you listen to all of our shows on Dash Radio under Future of Health Radio or your favorite podcast platform and follow us on social media. We can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Providence and on Instagram under Providence Health Systems. To learn more about our missions, programs, and services, go to Providence.org. And for more information on Boston Scientific, visit bostonscientific.com. And please remember, the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. You should always consult your healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. Thanks for listening. And remember, at Providence, we see the life in you. Thank you.